The IDP Managers Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Shady Rays. SGPN is teaming up with Shady Rays for Shady May. Get 50% off your Shady Rays using the promo code SGPN, and then go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com backslash shady for your chance to win $500. We're also brought to you by Edge Boost. Edge Boost enables you to double your bet with no interest. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com backslash edge to get started today. And the month of May stays hot when the SGPN fantasy football team also gives away a free Lamar Jackson jersey. Just leave a five-star review on our Spotify or Apple podcast to enter. Then direct message us your review at SGPN Fantasy on Twitter to confirm your entry. And SGPN Fantasy could select you as the winner May 31st. So, the IDP Pro Manager Pod is a proud member of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, home of the hottest, smartest, and fastest-growing sports gambling and fantasy football providers in professional sports entertainment to date. And now, without any further delay, here are your veteran senior IDP pros, Craig and Gary. Slacking, I mean sacking, today's hottest NFL IDP. Damn it, sorry about that. Howdy, howdy, everybody. It is Friday, and that means you are back with the IDP Pro Manager Podcast. I am Craig Reith, and with me every week is Gary, the IDP tipster himself. Gary, somehow we're already past the halfway point of May. How you doing? It's flying, ain't it? It's kind of flying. Yeah. How the question is, Craig, how are you doing? Never ask you that, man. How you doing, brother? I'm doing all right. It's Friday. Got a busy weekend of sports with the kids, so we're looking forward to getting out and hopefully having good weather here. Yeah. Well, why I got your attention, let me ask so people know. What are you working on over there at Roto Heat right now? We have rankings update coming out Sunday night, so that'll be up. I just mm-hmm. did a player profile on a rookie. There's some of those more just, you know, sort of filtering in where we see rookies uh, before the camp news comes in. So we're still looking at a lot of that stuff, and then we're dabbling in some veteran rankings. are getting up and going now for a redraft now that we know the rookie landing spots for those that matter. So a little bit of everything. And while you're at it, tell everybody about your other podcast, man. We have the IDP Heat Seekers over at Roto Heat's YouTube. That is Monday nights at 8 p.m. Central. Austin and I go over. Uh, this week, we're going to be looking at veterans that are stocked down in our mind after the draft. So we're shifting away from just doing rookie talk. We did a mock draft with rookies and IDP in it last week, and we're getting into some veteran stuff this week. So we're trying to shift gears there for the people that are more looking forward into redraft and don't care as much about rookies. Sweet, sweet. For some of those, you know, that might be wondering why for the last few weeks, if you've been expecting some uh, IDP articles from me, you know, my wife just went, through a heart procedure. So I took the month of May off uh, when it comes to the articles and such. So uh, definitely why I wanted to bring up Craig and Roto Heat and uh, Brad and all the guys over there, make sure you check out that content because that's what it's about. It's about the IDP pros out here. And those guys are definitely got it going. I want to meet your, your buddy Austin sometime. I haven't had the pleasure. I don't think. No, I will. Uh, we'll see if we can get something together. Yeah, and we are going to be getting back into information about uh, divisions and you know stock up, stock down for the NFC East this week, but we do have news to get into first here. In regards to the division we did last week, the AFC East, so Jets edge rusher Carl Lawson agreed to a restructured contract. 
essentially it was a pay cut from 15 million to 9 million, but he got a little bit more guaranteed money out of it. Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn told reporters that Micah Parsons is not making a full-time move to defensive end. He's still going to be a linebacker in name, and he used to just more pass rushing like we've seen him. I never believed in that they were fully putting him at defensive end. I don't know about you, but it, it's nice that maybe people will stop yapping about it now that they've actually come out and right. said it. Yeah, I don't think we actually dove that deep into this when it first broke, but on the players pod, which I'll be doing again later on the night with uh, Johnny the Greek, uh, we had talked about it, and I was the same way. I mean, it's the off season, and rumors fly. We've seen this rumor last year, kind of right. So it wasn't. It wasn't. It was a lot of smoke. I don't think it was any real true fire. I was wondering how you felt about that. Is it a smoke screen? Is this all bullshit? They've got a decent defensive line over there, yep. depth wise. They could get by without using him whatsoever as a pass rusher, and they've already reduced his his pass rushing over the last season. Went from like one what 140, 150, whatever it was. I've repeated it and, and down like to like 80 or something, which is still a huge amount. But you got second round Sam Williams sitting there. You still got, I believe, Dante Fowler sitting on there. It makes me nervous to think that he might not see what he's seen last year if everybody stayed healthy. I think they're going to be probably a little bit more careful with how they're using them because they don't want to have that you know, wear and tear. You can get a lot more of that when you're down mm-hmm. in the trenches battling offensive linemen. So they'll probably be more selective in how they use them on the rushes and when. But given how effective he is as a pass rusher, too, they're not going away from it. And, you know, he may not end up with that high sack total, but he's still going to get you more sacks, more tackles for a loss than probably your right. average inside linebacker. So I still think that overall value of him as a linebacker and you know and sleeper if he's listed as a defensive lineman it's still a beautiful gift so use it while you can right. you know be atten- paying attention to your league and all that but you know they've van der Esch and a whole bunch of question marks if you want to take him out of the linebackers i don't see them doing that and one more here quick uh the associated press's brett martell reported that the saints and cameron jordan are discussing an extension so Cameron Jordan is in the final year of a three-year $52.5 million extension. He's only missed two games out of 194 regular season games mm-hmm. in his career, so he's been super durable. But he's turning 34 this year. Kind of sounds like this is going to be the end of the line if he gets an extension. Whenever that runs out, he'll be done. IDP-wise, he's still a bit productive. I mean, he's not top, top end, but he's getting, you know, eight and a half sacks last year. He's still getting you some tackles. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling about it? I mean, it kind of seems like he's going to be one of those lifers for just one team. It, and this contract could be it could be astronomical. They they could have these big plans to have him the highest paid defensive end for the Saints or whatever in history. He could retire next year. <laughs> it's, it's all headlines, depending what they're wanting to do, where they're sitting at. He he probably could play a couple more years, but we're we're definitely got to look at that. I could believe more of a DL two. <laughs> I mean, how can you stamp a top 10 ranking on him? I just don't think you can quite do that. Uh, I'm a little bit more concerned, you know, what it might do for Peyton Turner and any chance that he might have this year because I'm more on the Carl Granderson bandwagon, and I don't think that they've added anybody in the offseason. They drafted a rookie, Isaiah Foskey. I think it was the second round maybe, but they drafted him. He was a pretty so high that's pick. even – it's going to be interesting. I, I'm still throwing my dark Granderson's way, just how 
well he graded out last year, how well he did perform. I think he's going to get – it's his to lose entering camp is the way that I'm looking at it. SGPN is excited to announce an exclusive early access partnership with Edge Boost. First, bet now, pay later, Visa card. Similar to the buy now, pay later programs like Affirm and Afterpay. Edge Boost enables you to double your bet with no interest and pay back the advance over four equal weekly installments. That's right, 0% interest. Simply deposit funds into your account and Edge Boost will match the deposit so you can use two times the funds on any legal sports betting site. And Edge currently offers up to $2,500 in advances as you build a repayment history. So head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com forward slash edge to sign up today. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com forward slash edge. Must be 21 years or older to use. Only valid in legal gambling states. Problem gambling? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Back to the news here. Uh, this is a bit of an interesting one, given the way his career had started off and the replacement of Bud Dupree that he slotted into. But the Athletics' Mark Caballi speculates that Alex Highsmith could push for $17 million per season with significant guarantees. Highsmith broke out with 14 and a half sacks last year and forced a league-leading five fumbles. He's on the final year of his rookie deal. Caballi seems to regard it as a foregone conclusion that Highsmith will sign on before the season starts. So we know TJ Watt was banged up last year. He didn't, he played like half a season, I think. You know, mm-hmm. they've been trying to find someone since Bud Dupree left to take over that second spot. Mark seems convinced that it's going to be Alex Highsmith there across from TJ Watt. How are you feeling about him with a hopefully full season of Watt across from him there, Gary? It was encouraging to see what Highsmith actually did. I've never been high on the guy. It, it's hard playing across from Watt, which Again, like you mentioned, let's see. Would we have four last year? I think it was about eight games. I can bring it up here quick, but yeah, yeah it wasn't the yeah, whole season. About half the year. So it's it's one of those scary things, you know. He he was in a contract year, he turned it on. We see this happen a lot. And then they get paid and then they Carl Lawson, perfect example. This contract to me, it seems really, really stupid high. <laughs> I would have to probably go ahead and buy into it to the point that I'm not going to stick the guy and think that he's going to repeat last season, but I'm going to give his kudos to him and look at him like a low end edge rusher one. He's, he would be a nice, if you got to start two edge rushers in a uh, really intense league, I'd rather have him as my second guy than my first guy. Yeah. I'm not real high on him. I, I'm scared a little bit. I'm not going to go out of my way unless he slips at an edge rusher position. Will I take him? Yeah, so Watt played 10 games. There's about eight, like I said. And he didn't, mm-hmm. I mean, he just did nothing. It was his lowest sack total of his career at five and a half. 39 combined tackles, only eight tackles for a loss. So it was just a nothing year, really, for him. And the good thing about Highsmith is, I mean, he's shown progress during the three it's years true. so far that he's been at Pittsburgh. He went from playing in five or excuse me, starting five out of 16 games his first year. And then he started the next two seasons fully. And he's mm-hmm. been having better numbers in terms of, you know, those big plays with the forced fumbles, the sacks, tackles for a loss are about the same combined tackles right. went down a little bit, but it's still a good number in the sixties and seventies for an edge rusher for those tackles. So that's the one thing that I would say he is in a good position where he's not going to have the main focus on him. It's still going to be on mm-hmm. Watt if Watt's healthy 
and he's shown that he can get to the quarterback and make those big plays. So I'm not ready to anoint him either, uh, but I'd say it is encouraging if the team believes in him with what he showed last year. And finally, we had a trade, an IDP trade. We don't see these that often. The Browns got mm-hmm. Zadarius Smith, a 2025 sixth-round pick, and a 2025 seventh-round pick from the Vikings for a 2024 and a 2025 fifth round pick so we had talked about Zadarius Smith earlier in the offseason was basically saying he wanted to be traded we saw the Vikings go out and get Marcus Davenport who now looks like he's going to be sliding in across from Daniel Hunter on the edge Zadarius is probably going to be playing more of a defensive end type of role here across from Miles Garrett and to try mm-hmm. to give him that other veteran experience pass rusher as they try to fix that defense that they had so many problems with last year which team do you like this more for, Gary? Do you like it for the Browns more, or do you like it better for the Vikings? Well, definitely the Browns. Definitely the Browns. I think they're going to lean on Garrett and Smith like really hard this year. It's The defense beyond that is not – it doesn't have the upside look that it had just a couple of years ago, as far as I'm concerned. We've just continued to have the linebacker problems and such. I think there was a lot of production that Clowney could have had opposite of what that he couldn't he didn't produce. I think Smith has proven himself on that. Uh, what is it? The strong side. He'll rotate with no problem with uh, Miles Garrett if they want to go back and forth. But I think that that's what he played uh, in Minnesota. Was yeah, he would play the strong side. So he he knows the position. He can get in there and get sacks from that side, which is definitely harder to do than the weak side position where Miles Garrett is probably going to spend most of his time. Who knows what they can do here? I think he's a lot more versatile veteran than Clowney was at this point of his career. He is kind of long in the tooth. I kind of question if there wasn't any contenders, uh, better contenders that might have. I'm sure he still had a say if he got traded to that team. So he must have won it out because would you look at Cleveland right now as a contender? It all depends on that quarterback play, what they're getting out of Deshaun Watson, because I do like some of what they did. Right. You know, last year their biggest problem was teams ran all over them. You know, the center of that right. defense was just garbage, and they they made I think big moves to actually try to fix it up. They got Delvin Tomlinson, who's a great run stuffer. Yes, they went out yes, and drafted yes. Siaka Aika, who probably isn't going to be much for really any IDP leagues, but you talk about a big guy in the third round. He's like 6'3", 358 pounds, super powerful guy. He eats up two blockers. They're doing things to try to fix that and try to keep those linemen off of their linebackers. So I do have a little bit more hope than you do, I think. But on the other hand, part of me says it's the Browns. When do the Browns do anything right? When does it ever work out for the Browns? I, I got question marks, but I am hopeful in terms of that defense doing better than they did last year. Amazing. So the big question, if we are taking Miles Garrett as a top five or top three edge rusher or defensive end play, what are we doing with Smith? Where are we taking him at? Probably, if we're talking redraft, he's probably still in the middle to the late second tier. I mean, not even tier, but, you know, I'd be fine with Mm -hmm. drafting him in the middle, late run of those second edge rushers being filled on a team. About the same here, maybe a little bit more upside, but he's always been a kind of a questionable where to stick him to begin with for the fact is he's usually been the second fiddle for the last few years behind Hunter. That was really only one year, I think. Oh, that's right, because Hunter was hurt, wasn't he? He wasn't previous to that, too? No, I might be. He was with 
Green Don't Bay for me. three years for 19, 20, 21. Uh, and he was sorry. the guy for the first right. two years when he came over from Baltimore. So he did really well. They had Preston Smith opposite him. Mm-hmm. Okay. But then he got hurt. He played in one game in 2021. And then he went to Minnesota where he had a decent year, you know, 44 tackles, 10 sacks, 15 tackles for a loss. He did all right. That's probably closer to what you're going to get than what he got in Green Bay when he was getting you in the 50s for sacks, 12 and a half, 13 sacks. I don't think you're probably going to get – maybe that's the Miles Garrett effect. Maybe he can get back to that with you know the focus on Garrett. We'll see. Before we get into our NFC East for this week, Shady Rays and SGPN are teaming up for Shady May. And not only do you get an amazing 50% off your Shady Rays, but you also have a chance to win $500. Shady Rays always has you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and much more. Shady Rays have durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. But that's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by a lost and broken replacements policy. So if you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told SGPN they'll send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after you purchase a pair. And if you don't love them, exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's never any risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. And international listeners, Shady Rays has you covered as well with shipping to Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and the United Kingdom. Just go to ShadyRays.com and use code SGPN for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Then take your receipt to SportsGamblingPodcast.com forward slash Shady and enter for your chance to win the $500 Shady May contest. And now that you got your cool shades, SGPN has just dropped a new line of mesh shorts, and they're perfect for any summer activity. And if you want to look good as Gary thinks he does on that badminton court. Amazing. Make sure you get over to store.sportsgamblingpodcast.com and use code SHORTS for 10% off. And the SGPN Fantasy Football team giving away a free Lamar Jackson jersey in the month of May. Just leave us a five-star review on any of our Spotify or Apple podcasts to enter. Then head over to Twitter and direct message at SGPN Fantasy to send them your entry for review. Then hit subscribe so you don't miss it when the winner is randomly selected on May 31st. So as mentioned, we're going to be going through a similar format to last week. We looked at the AFC East going into the NFC East with veterans stock up, stock down, and guys that maybe we're not even a little bit sure about at this point. Uh, first team we're going to hit up is the Commanders here. They didn't do much at all to address their linebacker position outside of a guy that we'll get to here. But the main holdover from last year is Jamin Davis, a guy that was first-round draft pick, surprised a lot of people, super athletic. You know, had some more of the nuanced things he had to learn and fine-tune. You know, didn't do a whole lot, 21 or 22, but he showed out better towards the end of 2022. How are you feeling about him? Because it really seems like they're giving him the reins this year. He's still a work in progress. Definitely a work in progress. PFF didn't have a huge amount of love for him. <clears throat> he did improve as the season went on, but uh, I would have to think that uh, – at this point, he's more of a default play, and I'm all in on it. I think I think Riviera is going to give this guy, what, his third season? Just turn yep. him loose again, let him play, and see how much he's developed. He has shown the progress. Not encouraging to see they brought back David Mayo in here. They got Cody Barton. Uh, I think they may have added a rookie, but I'm not 100% sure. But not it, the it, linebackers, I don't, unless it was an undrafted guy. As for the uh, 
rest of them, it's kind of lackluster, as I was saying. So Davis has clearly got Riviera's green dot, and he's going to be the guy on the field all the time. And he had a nice average last year. He he was a, a top performer. There's no reason to think that that's not where he's going to be. It's just how high, how much faith you put into his ceiling. Most of my faith is in a redraft, of course, here. Dynasty, we got to see a little bit more because he wasn't quite on par. I he, When I say that at the beginning, I mean he wasn't really on par. He's just under par. And that was with the entire season outlook. We kind of knew he was rough around the edges. Nobody, he was kind of like that dirty little thing we didn't talk about last year. I didn't talk about him a lot last year. We talked about, well, he's producing, but you, you didn't spend a lot of time hear people examining how well he was doing on the field. I, I think that uh, PFF has a right, and we're we're going to have to kind of put a pin or an asterisk by it dynasty-wise. Let's see another year of it before we really, really sink our teeth into this. Yeah, I mean, he only really had one year starting in college even at Kentucky. You know, his first mm-hmm. two years, he was, he was more of a backup in his last year. You know, 102 combined tackles, hack and a half, three interceptions, four tackles for a loss. It was really just a, a super athletic player that seemed to be growing into the role, and the NFL is moving towards those players. And hopefully we'll just see more of that as he gets, you know, another year full-time on the field to be the guy. And I have some hope for him. I liked him a lot coming out with that potential, but he was a longer play to begin with. He wasn't a guy that was going to jump on the field and be gangbusters from the start. Sticking with that linebacking group, though, how are you feeling about Cody Barton? Because it kind of seems like he's going to just be second fiddle here, kind of like he was last year with Seattle, just on a different team. You know, he was in and out of the lineup a lot last year. He didn't grade out particularly well, but he got his fantasy points, so redraft do you think he can get us those fantasy points again for this year anyway not more in a dart through i think he uh you know there's a reason he, he's not in seattle there for a very long time one of their veterans uh working on special teams so he, he's just not very good there's a reason he's been a journeyman this whole time and it took some injury to kind of wedge him up into a starting position that's all he is he's a backup level guy of course this could flip flop Davis could fail. I doubt that's going to be the situation. And I, and I don't think that, uh, I think Cody Barton's peaked. Davis has it. And if we look at their normal snap counts and production, it's one linebacker coming out of here that we will really want, especially in standard leagues. So yeah, sure. Throw, throw a dart at Cody Barton, put him at the end of your depth in a deeper format, but I'm not interested. Fact. The National Breast Cancer Foundation reports that a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer every two minutes. And we already know finding new innovations in research, surgical options, and clinical trials is essential to finding a cure. And to all those fantasy football ladies that may be listening, we also know with early detection your survival rate goes up. And that's why breast self-exams are very important, and the best way to give your old girls their best fighting chance to win the championship. So, with all that being said, The fellas here at the IDP Pro Players Pod would like to remind everyone, the National Breast Cancer Foundation does take donations, so please, go and give what you can, and let's give our mothers, our wives, our sisters, and every woman, the support, the resources, and maybe even more importantly, the hope, by knowing we all really do care. So another guy we've talked about on this Commander's team a bit, that compared to last year, 
neither one of us are as high on uh, much better NFL player than probably fantasy player through the rest of his career. But Deron Payne coming off that crazy high season last year with 18 tackles for a loss, 64 tackles combined, 11 and a half sacks, all career highs by -hmm. quite a bit in some of those categories. Gary, he's probably going to be drafted too high for me. Is that the case for you too? Yeah, it's just, I mean, the expectations that he's going to get those numbers again uh, in that interior defensive line next to Jonathan Allen. Well, you know, we, we've kind of hit on that before. I'm not, I'm not knocking him like way down, but I'm not setting him up on the pedestal. He'll, he'll have to outproduce. He won't have to outproduce. He, he'll just have to come within this even same region to impress me <laughs> next, next year. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of t- talent there. Uh, I, I think the signing that he, the big signing that he got is still going to be a. Uh, it was more like, "Hey, Chase Young, you better wake up," because <laughs> we paid one dude, we ain't going to pay everybody. <laughs> yeah, it seems like they're trying to decide if they want to keep keeping him or Montez Sweat, and they're trying to choose between the two of them. And they had drafted a rookie. I think it. I forget how late here I have it up, but KJ Henry was taken by them. It was the fifth round edge player so it's mm-hmm. not like anything to threaten but they are building depth there and they have a couple other guys that played last year with the injuries so they got some decisions looking to be making for sure yeah i don't think jonathan allen's going anywhere for a while either so that's an exceptional line built in washington jonathan allen Payne, young if he could ever get his ass healthy and and what sweat sweet which, yeah. whichever one it is so that's an impressive line they got a couple of decent you know edge rushers depth wise but yeah i don't see it man i don't see him repeating real quick i mean you gotta like the deep stock up on the forbes corner uh, the forbes cornerback that they yep. just drafted this year he's gonna probably get to start and get to pepper and we talked about stock down on barton so how do you feel about the borderline guys these these guys are borderline for me so i'm coming back and wondering how you feel about between Derek forrest and Jatavius martin which is a rookie I think you have to defer to Forrest because he's been there and he's proven it. But we've seen the commanders use a lot of three safeties, and maybe that's because of their linebacking situation. We'll have to see if that changes this year. But history has shown with Rivera there the past few years, they're not afraid to put three safeties out there. And all of them can be productive. You know, there was uh, Forrest last year with Curl, of course, and then I think it was Bobby McCain was the third one. And all those yeah. guys had some viability, depending on your league size, how many safeties that you start. Forrest and Curl, I think, are both still on relatively cheap contracts, although I know Curl is coming up soon. and They're going to have to decide what they want to do with him. So maybe they're thinking they're going to let Curl go and go with Jatavius Martin. He was a second-round pick. He played all over at Illinois as far as cornerback, both safety spots, so he can do all of it. I think it's just more of a trying to build on a strength and then also – be ready if something happens in the future where they're not going to be able to retain one of these two. Yeah. Well, I'm throwing my dart hard. I'm not even considering Martivius at this moment. If I'm going for defensive back, considering the cost, it's going to be forced. Yep. Curl number one, forced second on this defense. That can be a productive position if you can get the free safety going. It can be deep format. This is a deep stock up. Yep. Going to America's team here. The Dallas Cowboys are up next, and guy whose stock has been up, I wouldn't say 100%, but pretty close to it compared to last year, Leighton Vander Esch. No one knew what was going to be going on with him. The Cowboys just brought him back. 
sort of because they had to have a veteran that they could trust there. And he had mm-hmm. uh, one of his best seasons, if not the best season of his career there for the Cowboys in terms of play on the field. Anyway, his stats weren't the best of his career, but they were good and they were good for fantasy players who were able to grab him as a free agent or at the very end of mm-hmm. drafts. He's still you know, talk about true linebackers and how they're used by the Cowboys, the best one that they got there, but he seems to be a name still not talked about a whole lot. Are you buying into him, Gary? Well, I had to put him down as a stock up and standard league, but when I filled this out, it was three days ago, you know, and, and I have a little bit of a for, – for Dan Quinn to come out, I know it's all bullshit. Vanderish is stock up in standard leagues probably just for the fact that was kept on the field, I believe, overall more, and I think it's going to continue. So I think that he's in a standard league. If you're starting two or three linebackers, he's still worth maybe a depth piece. I don't think I want to have him as a weekly starter. When you look at this entire thing, you can't go stock up on Parsons. He's already there. You can't get who who can you go stock up on? If if you look at the roster, I, he's basically the only guy. And then I'm going to defer to. Jabril Cox being as a deep stock up. That's in case anything is like some kind of freaking smoke screen with Parsons. But when it really boils down to, these were pretty vanilla. So don't, <laughs> that even they were going to be vanilla without the Parsons news, just because of what we believed beforehand. And you got to be careful because if looking at ESPN depth chart right now, they got Parsons penciled in as a defensive end across from Lawrence. It's kind of confusing. So we definitely wanted to bring these up. There's a there's a pinch of salt with each one of these stock up, one deep, one standard for me. Looking at that defensive line then outside of Parsons, if people want to be calling him that, does anyone else stand out to you as far as stock going up or stock going down? Well, we have to assume, I think, that stock down in deeper uh, formats with Lawrence a little bit. We have uh, other guys on here. We have Parsons sticking around. Parsons will not be going anywhere. As Well, I can imagine Jerry Jones letting him go, but I mean, even if him forbid beyond Jerry Jones, I suppose, I don't think he's going anywhere and I think he would be over Lawrence. So I think there, we got a little age, a little stock down. You've got him peppering and, and getting some more defensive linemen in there. Uh, and I, I feel the same way. I think Armstrong in standard leagues, he had some momentum coming into last year for what he had done the previous year. Well, now Sam Williams has come down, and and I'm just not as high on them. I don't think – I think that we're going to see a bigger rotation as a lot of these teams do. As long as these guys are all healthy, there's no reason not to think so. They use a big rotation there, and I think anyone that still has DeMarcus high up in, the, in their rankings yearly just hasn't been paying attention to what he's been doing because he hasn't had double-digit sacks since 2018. He hasn't had double-digit tackles for a loss since 2020. Had nice tackle numbers, like 65 combined, Mm -hmm. 43 solo. Got a couple big plays. But he isn't the Demarcus Lawrence of five years ago and at this point 30 years old. I don't think that's going to be coming back. So. All right, a rapid-fire borderline. Javon Curse and Devon Wilson, both of them had fairly – I don't know. It was kind of mixed reviews. They both had come in last year with upside, uh, especially Curse. Curse got hurt. You know, Donovan Wilson, he still did pretty good last year, but as a combination. So as a tandem, kind of leaving Hooker, Hooker out of this whole situation, 
but between the two, are we are we going to see a stock up year? Or are they looking like, you know, well, we'll probably get out of them what we had last year between the two together? I don't know that either one is stock up or stock down. I think they're both sort of, you, you have an idea what you're going to get out of them, and they're both going to be On a, a fine, flat line. They're, they're a fine, like, safety two if you have to start either right. one of them in right. most of your dynasty leagues. They're a fantastic safety three. If you you know have three of them, um, but Curse showed out two years ago. I think it was Wilson. Whenever he's been a starter, he's done well. If you have them both there together, or they end up using three safeties a lot again um, with Malik Hooker sort of as the deep one, um, it could be fine. But out mm-hmm. of the three safeties, Hooker's the one I'm least interested in, and it's probably a coin flip. I guess I like Curse a little bit more, but they're both about the same. That sends us to the Eagles and a lot of names uh, we're going to be talking about here that are either really old or we don't talk about much at all before. But Nicobe Dean. So if you look at what they've done in the draft here, they definitely went defensive heavy again, but they didn't go out and get a, a true linebacker. You know, mm-hmm. They got Nolan Smith, which is an edge guy, Jalen Carter, defensive tackle, safety cornerback, another defensive tackle. Seems like they're going to try to piece this together similar to what they've done in years past with, you know, different guys and giving them that opportunity behind that great defensive line. Are you buying into Nicobe Dean as a guy that's looking up, you know, a year ago people had hope and then he fell to the right. third round and like, well, Philly doesn't have a whole lot, but he didn't play a whole lot either behind Edwards, right. Zier White. Those guys are gone. So do you think it's his time now? It's definitely got to be that way. There's a reason we haven't talked a huge amount about him on either the players pod or, or the manager's pod. Everybody should know about this guy. He's going to get his opportunity. He's the he's the reason TJ Edwards is no longer there, which was a great, great linebacker by the time he ended his, what, four or five-year run with Philadelphia after they drafted him. I don't see anything going left unless Dean just hasn't developed behind the scenes. We haven't had a chance to see that, uh, you know, on the field because he hadn't gotten any defensive snaps where the shit it was all special teams like last year. Like you mentioned, he should just be like right in front of your face. You should be drafting this guy no lower than a LB one. As far as I'm concerned, just on the upside and the potential opportunities he's been placed in and stock up in deeper formats, Nicholas Morrow, I don't think they brought anybody in that's going to challenge that second position. Uh, they have a Kristen Ellis was the only addition I think I see uh, when it comes to the draft. So uh, as it stands right there, I think Nicholas Morrow is going to play that uh, weak side linebacker position likely. Either way, I don't think he's going to see the majority of the snaps. Yeah, I think it's probably Nicholas Morrow. Uh, you know, they do have another 2020 third-round pick, Davion Taylor there. He just hasn't done much and hasn't played much. Um, so, I mean, he's a guy that could, if he comes out and actually plays up to his draft stock and what they were hoping for him, he could come in. But I think that's just a wait and see what actually happens. You can't really put stock in him in any league at this point. But that's really it. Right. Yeah, like you said, they didn't do much. Um, there was one street free agent who was super crazy athletic, Ben Van Summeren, but he was mm-hmm. uh, undrafted. So you can't just believe he's going to walk in there either. Right. Well, they didn't break their trend. I say it all the time. They don't put a huge amount of stock into it. It was kind of surprising yeah. the draft pick that they had last year. They don't put a lot of money. It's like the one of the bottom 10 or something, bottom five every year and paid 
what they pay for their linebackers. It's just, you know, it's just how they do business. You got you to pick and choose where you're going. So, uh, Nicholas Morrow, it might be confusing that I'm saying in deeper formats he stock up. Well, last year he had a really good season with, with Chicago, but he's not in Chicago. He's not going to have the same role. And he's probably the next guy to actually get 100% of the snaps or take over the defense if Nicobe Dean can't, can't get this done. Uh, that's how I'm going to look at it. Morrow in deeper formats because he was going and drafted like crazy last year. So he is stock up in deeper formats. And then when it comes to uh, uh, Dean, I mean, it's kind of vanilla. He, he's definitely LB1 material. They may have uh, bucked their chin by drafting him, Gary, but they love that Georgia championship team from a couple of years ago. They got like yes, six or seven guys on that defense. So um, mm-hmm. Dean fits right in with that. How you feeling about those old guys on the defensive line, though? You know, Graham came back after a career year in sacks anyway. Fletcher Cox is back. It kind of just seems like they're mixing the old with the new because they've got those new guys, you know, Davis last year and Carter this year, trying to learn from the old dogs that have done so well for them. Yeah, and it's the old with the old as far as I'm concerned because as soon as you took out Hargrave, I think you changed the dynamic of the the interior defensive line. You have no idea if Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis uh, can make up for the fact that Fletcher Cox is older and Sin. Excuse me, not Sin. No, well, Sin's pretty old, so maybe. But Josh Sweet's the only young guy on here realistically. Graham's old, old, so what's going on? We got Derek Barnett hanging out uh, on ESPN. That might be a misprint. There we go. No, he's still there. As, I don't <laughs> care how well that rotation worked last year and how productive that thing was. Um, if it's not Hussan Reddick, if you consider him a defensive lineman or if he's an edge rusher, he's definitely had the guy that got it, got it last year and had the improvement. Uh, but as far as the linemen across this, I'm not I'm not interested in their stock down as far as I'm concerned uh, when it comes into the season. They're going to have to pull it again. Hartgrave was a huge, huge piece of this. Yeah, it was. The Blankenship, and um, I see now they got a Sidney Brown. Yep, they drafted him in the third uh, round. Borderline, up or down. Who, who's got upside? Sidney Brown, for me, I mean, Blankenship showed well last year, and he'll probably get the first chance in camps by default, but he was a undrafted free agent, too, I think, for them, so they're not as invested in him, and, you know, we see undrafted guys show up and do all right year to year. It's hard to put faith in them consecutive years in a row, kind of like what right. happened with Jack Sanborn, and, you know, they had Blankenship, and they went and got Brown in the third round. He's great in coverage. He's a physical, smart guy does have to clean up his tackling, you know, and part of that has to do with being smaller safety and shorter arms than, you know, what you'd ideally have. But he's smart enough to go out there and make plays for him with what they have, especially a cornerback on that defense. And I think that these safeties will get opportunities that I'm not completely sold that this linebacking group is going to be gangbusters by any means. So if I had to throw my hat at one of them, it's going to be Sidney Brown. But uh, it could be either one yeah. of them. And I've taken Blankenship late, and I think it was our – breast cancer uh, fundraising classic that you're running. So right. I, I don't have a right. problem with him either for a dart throw. Yeah. Between but, those two and Terrell Edmonds, if I can avoid them, I'm avoiding all of them for this yeah. year. I, I just wait and see what happens. And Edmonds is on a cheap, like one year, $2 million deal. I mean, any backup safeties that they went and got, they're super cheap and not invested in anyway. So it really is just going to be 
made the better man win as far as I'm concerned this year for that safety group. He could enter the season on the bench or as the third guy. That would be wild because he's never really, like, blew it up. What's that? Your computer has another virus? Well, my friend, you need help to stop your obsession with the dirty O. All of this searching for air yards and yards after catch and blah, blah, blah. Stop your dirty O obsession by searching for the IDP Pro Players Podcast instead and focus on the other side of the balls. I I mean ball. The crew on the IDP Pro Players Podcast care about you and your technology by holding true to their no dirty O mantra. Every week, Gary and John bring you the IDP content you need to save your rosters and dominate your league while avoiding the dirty O. So save your technology by tuning into the IDP Pro Players Podcast with your longtime and totally unoffensive veteran hosts, Johnny the Greek and Gary the IDP Tipster. Follow them on Twitter at capital I, capital D, capital P, R O. One word at the IDP Pro Players Pod. Last team we got here, the New York Football Giants. They made some changes at linebacker that sort of cleaned up any questions people might have had there when they signed Bobby Okariki. But how are you feeling about that defensive line there with Leonard Williams mm-hmm. and Dexter Lawrence? Outstanding. Oh, well, I'm going to talk about Williams as my stock up in standard leagues, and then I'm going to talk about uh, Dexter Lawrence as my stock down in standard leagues. And it's just, you know, simple math. I don't think Leonard Williams had a really great year last year. He was dealing with some injuries. Uh, It allowed Dexter Lawrence to be able to emerge a little bit more than he probably could. He had a hellacious season. I'm not saying this guy is not good. You know, I'm just saying I don't think he's going to be able to uh, do the same like Darren Payne and have the same exact season, especially with Leonard Williams coming in healthy this year. He's going to demand his portion. We also have a better edge rusher. Well, it looks like a slightly better edge rusher group coming into this year after what we got to see last year. Yeah, there's not going to be enough IDP pie, I guess. I could. If I had to guess, it's probably going to even out, you know, like you mentioned with Williams being hurt, his numbers were down from last year. And then Dexter Lawrence, he had around 14 more combined tackles than his previous high, three and a half more sacks. So mm-hmm. banking on another career year after just having one is a dangerous game to play in fantasy football. People usually get back down to their average, you know, at some point or what you've seen that to be before. So a little bit up for Williams, a little bit down for Lawrence, but I'm fine with either one of them. Um, exactly. Probably as a defensive yep. lineman too, if you have to be investing in them. And especially if they're defensive tackles in your league where they're required. I mean, there's still guys that great shot of them both ending up in that top 12 at the end of the year. I really like the addition of Bobby McCain. He's a deep stock up for me. Uh, I I know it's not like all glittery, but I just I think he's a veteran that can come in and run that secondary pretty good. Dane Bolton is definitely my uh, I don't know. We'll talk about him for in a second, but I like Bobby McCain as being the veteran that's going to come in there and probably play that free safety position that's been vacated by uh, Jordan Love. I think he went to Seattle. Yep. And we already seen how that that kind of position produces. It's been like that for years. So uh stock down. We had that Jason Pinnock. He actually outplayed Dan Belton, uh, which was like a third year or uh third rounder last year. But I think that he's got to be stocked down in deeper formats for the fact of 
them bringing in Bobby McCain. Plus, they're, it's hard to say with Dan Belton where they're going to be with him because he, he did let them down. He did get an opportunity, and he didn't play well. That's why he started seeing fewer and fewer snaps. So he's got to develop. Um, if you're looking at a borderline call between, say, Dan Belton and people are all high on Jared Davis, which you know me, I and I'm not poking this with a stick or nothing, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm walking away. All right. No Jared Davis love from this dude ever again. Not because so I'm going to let I'm going to let you talk about him for a second. And then, of course, what do you think about Dan Belton? Where are you borderline on these two guys? Belton's probably the third safety out of the group with McKinney and McCain, just what we've seen from McCain before. And like you mentioned, he's nothing exciting that people want to go out and draft, but he's consistent. And sometimes that's just what you need out of your third safety or whatever you're going to be drafting him as is, Hey, you can plug him in and he'll get you five tackles, five solos, two assists, and, you know, pass deflection or whatever it is. And you can live with that. If you're having to plug him in there, probably not, wanting to start whoever that second safety is, unless we see Bobby McCain be able to replicate what Julian Love did. But I think some of that's going away because they got Okariki there at linebacker. Right. I think he's going to eat up a lot of those tackles. As far as Jared Davis, it's one of those weird things. It's sort of like uh, Alex Anzalone, where not to the same degree Anzalone's better, but you just can't get rid of him in fantasy football. He's always going to be around, <laughs> sticking around, taking some of those tackles away from whoever. And maybe he does have a career year and shows up and, you know, figures it out here near six or whatever it is for Jared Davis. It might be even longer than that. But him being the second linebacker in that group with Okariki, I, I can't be buying into drafting him where it seems some people are taking him to be a fourth linebacker. I wouldn't even want him as my fourth linebacker, probably not even as my fifth. So, as I said, I ain't got nothing to say. Nada. He's burned Gary too many times. But that's sort of our veteran stock up, stock down post NFL draft for the NFC East. Gary, you, you want to do another one of these divisions next week or you want to be jumping into something different? Uh, we may take a break next week, do a little bit of ranking. How's that sound? Maybe maybe we should circle back on these rookies and take a look, maybe get to well, what, in top 10 or something. I don't think there's going to be a huge amount of ranking to be done. To tell you the truth, if we do do rookies, yeah, we got about 15 weeks uh, until the NFL Thursday night game. So 16 weeks from now, I think, if my math is right, is going to be after that first Thursday night uh, regular season game. So we got about 15 weeks to get through this. You know, we got um, six more divisions to get through. We can certainly fit something else in there. But you'll just have to tune in next week to find out what we'll be going through. Enjoy your spring heading into the summer. Get your shady rays. Play some badminton. See you later. All right. Well, we'll be back next week, everybody. Have a great Friday and a great weekend. 